Demystifying the DevOps Engineer with Stuart Clark, episode 65. Welcome back, my friends, nerds, geeks, and Ziglets out there. We have another episode of the Zigbits Network Design Podcast, where Zigabytes are faster than gigabytes. As always, my goal is to provide you with a real-world context around technology. Hey, friends, I got an outstanding show for you today. My good friend Stuart Clark is going to join us today, and we're going to demystify the DevOps Engineer. Well, enough of me just kind of doing the intro. I'm going to go ahead and say, hey, Stuart, welcome to the show. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm good, buddy. Thank you so much for having me on today. This is an absolute honor and a pleasure. You know, we met uh, in Barcelona at Cisco Live, and, you know, I've been wanting to get you on the show for a while, honestly. You know, uh, I'm a little bit of a fanboy of <laughs> DeadNet and you and the group. Um, and, you know, we're both bearded friends and metal metal friends or metal um, fans. So it's all good stuff, you know, it's all good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Beards and metal. That's where it all begins. It is. It is, man. It's actually the other day I shared, I think we were sharing some YouTube uh, um, people that I follow on YouTube with you. And uh, it was funny because you sent it right back to me saying, hey, I already follow these people. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like, seriously, that's so cool. Um, It's like my (laughs) people, you know, my people. Um, Absolutely. I'm going to just start right off with the topic, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you're you're, you're a, a DevNet uh, I would call it fanboy. Uh, what would you What would you self-identify yourself as? Let's stay there. Yeah, so um, my official title is a, a technical leader and developer advocate for Cisco DevNet. Um, so I guess within that role, I think of myself as kind of a, um, a, te- a, a technical um, a technical minstrel, but yet without the loot, you know? <laughs> so my my whole my whole thing with being a a developer advocate is to really tell a story, to tell a story of how, um, you know, network automation and DevOps, how that whole life cycle has, can change your workflows. And not only can it change your workflows, it can change everything. And for me, it did, it changed, it it did change everything. And people think I exaggerate when I say this, but for me, it did, it almost like changed my life. Um, And, you know, across the board. So, that's how I tell this story. And the story that I tell is one of great empathy um, because I tell a story of outages happen. You know, customers get upset, you know, um, worst case scenario as well. I don't ever try to paint a picture like DevOps, net DevOps and automation is this magical unicorn and it's just going to save everything because you know, it, it really won't. And it is to get to that to get to that stage of where you are in that complete life cycle. It takes time and it is hard work and there is a lot of, you know, painful experiences to go through. And I like to share those experiences as well. And so what I try to do is is, is as part of this, you know, storytelling thing, if you ever sort of see any of the sessions that we do through DevNet or the ones that, you know, Cisco Live or any of the events, I I, I feel I connect with people because I say I've been there at 2, 2 a.m. in the morning facing the same challenges that you have. I've been there when this has happened I, and I've dealt with these challenges and I've dealt with these outages. I've dealt with these customers. I've dealt with this at scale. I've lost hair. I've lost sleep. I've lost family. I've lost family. That's came from <laughs> nobody, nobody maybe, died. maybe not that nobody far. No, okay. nobody, <laughs> nobody Thank, thankfully, right? Thankfully. Yeah, well, nobody that I'm aware of, you know, 
maybe an auntie passed away during this, but it was nothing to do with what I was doing. In, there's in my there's no relevance for that, right? Let's just be no clear. Relevance. Yeah, I want to point out no animals were harmed during my... Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is funny. Um, you know, I lost, I lost friends. You know, I lost in touch with social circles and all of these, all of these different things. And it, it happens, you know, when you're you know, encased in your career and really driving forward, you know, things, you know, things happen, you know, priorities shift within your life. You know, you can't, can't go out to, you know, for drinks on a, a Friday night, you've got deployments and things. And then, you know, you kind of social circle and structure changes. So I always kind of say that. And sometimes it is, and it, it is, and it can feel very, very lonely. Um, and I talk about that and I talk about the all kinds of things as well from, not just the attitudes, but I also I also talk about you know more personal things as well. I talk about things like anxiety and depression and all you know all the things that go along this. And I think that people can actually go you know when I'm talking about this at, you know events and you can see people just nodding along. And usually I kind of I say to people, has has this happened to you? You know, have you been up at X amount of time in the morning? Have you been on the phone to attack at this time in the morning? You know, has this has this happened to you? And then more often than not, people kind of raise their hands. And I've kind of got this saying now, and it's kind of really stuck where people say, you know, as, as Big Evil Beard says, as Stuart says, we're all in this together. That really has stuck. And it's that mantra that when you're telling the stories, you see people all raise their hands at sessions and you see people nodding along and people look around and go, oh, I didn't understand that when I first read it. I, 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 th- I felt so silly because I didn't understand this or... Yes, the outage happens to me. That same thing happened to me. I, I messed this up in my code or I messed this up as a configuration. And then people think, this, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one who is, you know, struggling to get on board with this concept. And that's the kind of, I guess, in a long-winded answer, the story I really like telling and how we can solve this and how we can solve it together. That's the, for me, that's the biggest story. No, I think there's a lot of things to unpack there, and I don't know if we're going to have a lot of time um, or a whole <laughs> because I think we could do like multiple shows on what you just said. Like honestly, like there's there's a lot of different avenues and perspectives I think are extremely important, um, and I think I would like to talk about a couple of those just because they're top of mind um, based on what you just said. Like I think storytelling is extremely important. I think sharing of experiences, both good and bad experiences, right? I'm talking real and raw experiences. And I always use the terminology in the wild experiences, right? None of this fluffy stuff, right? I mean, you know, we don't need to, we don't need to overproduce something. We need to show what's happening, right? What, what are you transforming from? What, what's your evolution? Where were you yesterday? Mm -hmm. And where are you today? And what are those lessons that you can give to other people? And I think that's extremely important. And I, I think what you're saying, saying there, like I think what the, the beginning statement you made, um, DevNet changed your life or DevOps mm-hmm. changed your yeah. life. You know, I don't know what mm-hmm. word you leverage there. Like DevOps changed your, your life. So I would love to hear more about how DevOps changed your life. Can you kind of give us some context around that? Because I, I really do think it's extremely imperative to, to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to, buddy. Um, so it's like, you know, automation, I've talked about this a couple of a couple of times about, you know, people um, say, hey, how, uh, when did you get into automation and, and how did it all start? And, you know, the, the truthful answer is, is that I thought automation, I, you know, and it, it really started for me an or- automation. But that was right at the beginning. Before you get into the whole kind of DevOps culture and the agile culture, it started off as automation. It started off making my job easier. That was, the, the, you know, the focus. Um, and 
you know, I saw people doing automation. And I thought it was a Fugazi. I thought it was, you know, just a flash in the pan. I didn't think it would stick. You know? <laughs> gotcha. Uh, I, and I thought, and then the reason for that was, is because big-headedly, egotistically wise, I thought my CLI skills were, you know, so good I didn't need automation. Well, I mean, my my CLI yeah. skills are so good. I don't need automation, of course. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. No, no, no I'm not. On, I'm not. On, I'm not even on, on, on your level, dude. Um, so you know, what, I mean, what I you know typically do is I'd I'd open multiple terminals, uh, you know, as many as a dozen on my screen through Putty or Secure CRT or whatever, you know, terminal I was using at the time, you know, and I would if I was deploying onto onto 12, 12 devices, I would go ahead and I would copy and paste, you know, the, the, the commands into them and then copy and paste all the validation in, in, in one go in all of these, in all the different terminals. Um, and that worked great for me to a point. It worked great for me up until a point where it was really when I, I joined Cisco that I mean, I, I got to work on, you know, one of the biggest networks I've ever, I've ever worked on, you know, with the, the, the volume of the devices. Um, and then I realized that that was not going to scale. Yeah. That method was, wasn't, going to, wasn't going to scale. And I started, made, and the reason, that I, one, there's two things. One, it became so laborious and, and difficult to do. Laborious? Labor, laborious to do. And the other thing is, well, I started making mistakes, because once you and I'm, I'm, as I went from being able to do this on like a dozen windows being open, twenty windows being open, to like you know probably close to one hundred and fifty. Wow! And even if I broke this down into regions, even if I broke this down into data centers, I was still twenty plus terminals. Wow! Um, and I'd seen people do automation before. Before I started Cisco, I worked an ISP, and we had some some great guys there. Um, who were really good with, with Linux. Uh, and they were doing automation through, you know, um, bash scripting and Perl scripting. Oh, yeah. So bash um, scripting, like, I got I to gotta add something here because, like, I did some yeah. automation when I first started out in, in IT. I wouldn't say even networking. I would say uh, when I was in the military, I was uh, a server admin. Uh, uh, yeah, a server admin. And we would do VP, VB script back in the day. Like, this, that's, that's right. what we'd leverage, right? VB script mm. to check, like, server health. You know, hard drive usage, CPU, memory usage. Like, but it was a custom, not custom. I wouldn't say custom. That's probably the bad word. It was a uh, a thrown together VB script that probably had like three thousand lines of code, and, and that's how we did our daily checks on all our servers and all our networking devices. Um, yeah. You know, and and it had the HTML front end. You know, an HTML front end that mm -hmm. had a you know it wasn't a GUI. I wouldn't call it a GUI. It was like HTML and. Yeah. If it was up, it was green. If it was down, it was red, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I saw a guy speaking. Uh, I was at the, I was speaking at an event uh, in 2018, I believe, uh, London Internet Work Exchange. And someone was talking about automation. I mean, automation, you know, in that kind of sense, through, through bad scripting and post scripting, it's, it's been around for quite a while. And, you know, there was somebody on the stage he was talking about it. And he was like doing this like 20 plus years ago, you know. Wow. Um, and there's, 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 there's me kind of sat there being sort of like absolutely humbled, you know, 
you know, 20, 20 years ago, I was taking the training wheels off my, my bike. No, well, actually, I wasn't. I'm a, I'm a bit older than that. I'm a bit older than that. But you know what I mean? Um, yeah, 20 I do. years ago, I think I was doing 20 years ago, and, you know, and these people, these people are doing this, and it's kind of, you know, always be very respectful of everybody that's come before you, um, and, and which has led us to this, you know, to where we are, in the, where this great point that we are in the industry right now is just, you know, unbelievable. Um. So I, automation started to become that kind of, it became beyond that buzzword. You know how a number of years ago, and I, I want to say sort of around 2008, 2009, everybody was putting the buzzword cloud into absolutely everything. Oh, yeah. Then it just seemed that <laughs> um, the word automation then, sort of when I, was, when I started at Cisco, which would have been 2012, 2013 automation then that word started being really battered around quite a lot and um there was a, a couple of folks um within within our our group who were again you know more around bash but they were great with c and they were great with python and you know that was their background they come from exactly that same place where you had of that, that server administration and then kind of moved into network engineering but then it almost went kind of like went full circle for them, you know, where they'd gone from doing writing in a computer-based language, you know, a data language into a human language into the CLI, and then they were going back again into oh, this. Wow. And you know, I think you know, yeah, absolutely. And for those people, when we start doing automation within, within networking engineering teams, these are the these are the people who really took to it like kind of a duck to water. And, you know, I beat myself up really heavily over this thinking, you know, I'm, I'm a smart, smart cookie. Well, 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 I'm not getting this, you know. Um, but these people have been doing this for a long time before they'd even become network engineers. They'd spent five or 10 years, you know, doing, you know, like server administration, that kind of stuff, doing, you know, Bash and Perl and, and C and all of those things it, uh, in, in different in different roles. It's just then they would they kind of evolved into network engineering and this is then when they'd never really let go of that side of you know the automation and somebody said to me one of the people i work with he said my goal is to automate myself out of a job <laughs> and i was sort of like dude that's crazy absolutely crazy and i wasn't in the kind of the full mindset of oh this is the network i'm the network engineer we're the network engineering team Nobody touches the network. You know, um, if you get on hands and knees and pay me 50 gold sovereigns, I'll give you read access to our, you know, <laughs> firewalls. I'll give you, you know, because, you know, they are, and I'm sure everybody's worked with this kind of person who they kind of keep information to themselves and they think that's what's going to buy them job security. Um, and it really, really isn't. No, and it's not. It's never been like that. It's For me, I've always just loved sharing everything that we, we do and, I think it's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about with DevNet because I just love sharing, you know, the experience and, and how things are done. And it's not, you know, this, this isn't the magic circle and I'm not David Copperfield. I'm showing my age again now. Can we think of a more, can we think of a more relevant magician? I don't know. I don't Siegfried know. Roy. There you go. There you That's go. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, David Blaine. Maybe. David Blaine's a good one. Um, yeah. There you go. David Blaine. You know, it's like, I'm not, I don't want to be that that person who kind of, you know, kind of. This is a sort of a, you know, like a dark, the dark arts kind of, you know, behind the scenes. You can't even look over my shoulder while I'm typing the commands. Um, 
you know, I was always really more than happy to explain to people, you know, when, especially, you know, on different teams, you know, oh, we want this VLAN here. How, how are you configuring that? Why are we seeing this kind of thing? You know, just to, to help people understand, you know, how something, you know, works in the network when it comes to configuration or, and, and why it works the way it does. I was always more than happy to explain. So, so I think, I think that's something to call out right there. Like, I don't think that's the yeah. norm. It might be the norm these days. I think there's a lot of people that are willing to share the information, right? And they're willing to coach, mm-hmm. mentor um, people yeah. and, and professionals, right? And mm-hmm. I think like 20 years ago, that wasn't the norm, right? Like, I mean, no. there's a lot no. of people that like hid that information and you asked the question and it was like, go figure it out yourself type of thing. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, it's happened to me and it's happened to, you know, a lot of folks is I, I started in this job and then the manager introduced me to some of the team and then they said, oh, come and sit with, you know, this person over here. They're going to show you this. And you think, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to spend a couple of days learning from them. And they give you five minutes, 10 minutes of their time. And then they kind of sit back in their chair and go, anything else and he's you just kind of like thinking well yeah you yeah, know yep. you know can we can we get on a whiteboard can you explain a bit more of the topology can you ex- ex- expand on you know why you're doing this this way and why this is sit here and you know what's the edge what's the core you know uh, you know which which devices do i not issue a show run on because it's going to you know blow up blow up yep yep um, yeah that happens i don't think you have that any um, any time now i don't i don't think we have that anymore but um it used to be a big deal like you can't do a show run right like that was as bad as doing a debug all right that was a a critical (laughs) don't do it i I remember being showed around a data center once where i i was working and they got you know those um oscillating fans you get on a stand oh yeah yeah they've got one of those pointing at the back of a cat 6500 because it just overheated all the time and bear in mind it's in an air conditioned you know fully air conditioned data center but they still need this fan and the the, the chap showing me around uh, his name was damien bless him a lovely fella um he he just said to me just when you're on this, there was two 6500s sat next to each other, like core one, core two. And he said, this is core one. And he pointed to it. And he just said, when you're, when you're on this device, don't do a show run. <laughs> don't, don't do a show run. And if you're going to do it, don't do it in, in, you know, between the hours of nine to five. Wow. Out, out, out of hours, you might get away with it like this. And, and for that time, it was really nice funny. You know, when you logged into something, I'd logged into thousands of devices. The first time I logged into that, I'm literally shaking. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're concerned, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a core. Thinking, yeah. <laughs> if absolutely. you do a show command, you're done. Oh. Yeah, exactly. And you, you're just trying to do your job. But it kind of makes you it kind of makes you think, you know, what other commands can I run besides show run? So it kind of, you know, this is in a kind of a cruel way. There's an advantage to this. Well, it constrains but, you, right? It puts you in a constraint so that yeah. you can evolve a little bit, like, and think outside yeah, the box, yeah. right? If you show run yeah, all the time, you, can, you know, what other yeah, commands you can, can you leverage? Yeah. Yeah, what other what other things can you can you can you do? Um, so I was always for showing for someone, but I always found as well that, and this kind of came from my previous career before I started before I became a network engineer, is that you know sometimes the best way to learn yourself is to show someone else or to explain mm-hmm. to somebody else. Teach someone. Teach someone exactly, you know, because they might start asking questions of, you know, why are you doing like this? And just come back and say, oh, that's just because the way I do it isn't really an answer. It is not. Um, and, you know, this is the thing when, and as Cisco and I was talking to the other, other folks, and, you know, maybe some people might think, oh, you know, he's, he's just trying to show how smart he is, you know, by explaining this in this detail. 
But if someone asks a question, I like to give them the best possible answer. And it's not me just getting verbal diarrhea and just saying, oh, look, look, look how much knowledge I know. It's, you know, I like explaining things in, 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 in technical detail. And, you know, if, if, if that helps someone understand where this is, you've got, to, you've got to pick who you're talking to. But if, if this is like a, you know, a, a top-of-the-line SRE person, and, you know, you're the equivalency on, on the network engineering team, for example. That's the kind of language that you're going to talk. It is that kind of, it's a, it's a tech, techies language. Oh, yes, for and sure, we, for sure. You know, this is the, you know, this is the way kind of you in, interact. You know, it's, um, um, people, you, it happens when you're, I was sat talking to somebody who was out, somebody I worked with on, on our team, and I went to um, see him, was at an event, and we were sat talking in a coffee shop and we were talking about technical things. And there's this uh, gentleman leaned across the table and we were talking uh, all kinds of technical things and it was all, all technical. And he leaned across the table and he said to me and my friend, he said, I really don't know what you two are talking about. He says, but it sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, you know, I just, I just laughed and it is, you know, you, you become so accustomed to talking in acronyms and this, yeah, we have our own language, right? I mean, and, and and this is a totally off the wall example of this, right? I want to show just because like, you know, my family, my wife and I and our son, we moved from New Hampshire to New York and in, in, in the United States. And, and during that move, I was, uh, we were talking to our realtor in uh, New Hampshire. And I made a comment to the realtor um, and said, I'll, I'll ping you later. Like, and the realtor just like dumbfounded. Like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, yeah. And then, but yeah. the realtor didn't tell me that. Like, and then my wife was like, they don't know what that means. Like, they don't know what ping no. means. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, Oh, I mean, I'll call you later. I'll text you later. Like, but that's, yeah. Yeah, you know, absolutely. you don't realize that that's a thing, right? Yeah. That you have your own language. Yeah. And so I want to yeah. call. I want. I want to just uh, cut, touch a couple more things here, and then ask some more questions for you there. Um, you know, so something that that for me I found extremely helpful um, being in networking, being in IT, was that my com- I I have a computer science degree, so I actually went to school wow. to program, right? And I wrote mm. programs in my degree plan and all this stuff. I wrote programs in, in the military, in the U.S. military, in the Marine Corps, and. Um, but I never did it outside of the, the military. Like I got into networking and yeah. that's it. But what's been critical yeah. is that I understand software development. I understand, you know, all the mm. different methods and functions yeah. and, you know, the, the attributes and all the things that, that make up a program or, you know, dev app, DevNet or DevOps, whatever you want to call it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't, I may not know the leading edge things, right? I may not know, you yeah. know, the actual, like, I'll, I'll pick up Ansible, right? Ansible. I might not have yeah. used Ansible yet, right? But it's not a huge leap if you have the fundamental knowledge of all the constructs. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And this goes back to what you were saying about earlier where and I was saying about those, you know, the people who started in the servers went into networking. Those kind of fundamentals really, really, really helped. And there's some I started to read some books about about that, about software development and understanding programs, understanding, like you said, about, you know, how computers think, because that's critical. And I think when I started as a network engineer, I remember, you know, the real sort of top guns in, in, in network engineering, reading, you know, their books like, you know, Denise Fishburne and Scott Morris and, you know, a whole host of other people out there and i think i read it on the cln and 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 they actually said you know when you're thinking about routing 
Think about the journey that a packet takes. Think about what the router does when it receives that and how it's going to deal with it. You know, and it's not, I'm not thinking about closing my eyes going, I am the router. I am the router. <laughs> you know, kind of <laughs> thinking. As, it could be a song. You know, I am the router. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. I'm going to work on that later. Yeah, you're going to get the, uh, the guitar out and start working out later. <laughs> it's going to be in the, the, the key of D minor. There you uh, go. This, uh, yeah, so I reference in Spinal Tap again. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it, exactly. So, you know, it, it's, it, it's thinking like that. And it's, somebody asked, you know, somebody asked me recently, because last year I started to pick up learning Go, you know, um, and I've always been, I started with Ansible, moved to Python, and I started learning Go. I didn't want to become you know, like a, a full-time Go engineer, I was never going to move away from Python, but I want to understand the language. But one thing I wanted to know was that would I be able to learn Go uh, faster or would I be able to learn it, would I be able to understand it better because I knew Python, you know? And what was the answer? Um, and there's a term, yeah, and there's a term, isn't it? And it's, uh, I always forget the word. Somebody who is uh, multi-languaged and they, they still use that same term for somebody that is able to, code in more than one language uh, and there's there's a word for it and i forget what it is off the top of my head i don't know what it um, is so i can't even help you there you're, oh, I, you, know, I, you know you hear a word you see something you hear a word you say <laughs> it um you know i've been often accused of using you know two longer words in sent in sentences just so i sound more photosynthesis <laughs> um <laughs> gotcha. get that joke yeah yeah um, i got that there you go yeah so yeah using long words i shouldn't do um so yeah and, and that was it that's, ex that's exactly it so you know understanding that language like you said that's how it's very very hard to compare yourself to others because you really don't know where you know somebody is or has come from or their kind of a background and this happened to me the other day. There's a, a guy on Twitter, and he was talking about something. And I won't say his name, but he was talking about something on Twitter. And I was thinking, wow. I mean, it, what he was doing, he was explaining it. And then I watched his video on YouTube, and it blew my mind. Absolutely. Just like, you know, kind of thing. And I thought, wow, I finally understand that. I finally, that penny drop moment happened for me. And I thought, that's really interesting. And I kind of, I kind of almost got that kind of imposter syndrome, sort of jealousy syndrome of what does this person know this? And I don't kind of thing. And then I looked into the person's history and I thought, and I, I, I read about his career and I, you know, read about it on his blog and, you know, I looked at his profile and connected to him on LinkedIn and looked at it. And I thought that's why he knows this because this isn't just something he's learned this year or last year. This is 15 years of experience here that's how he knows it so it's kind of that comparable thing that we all suffer from mm -hmm. you know it, it's, it's like you know when you know the kids next door could like you know do a wheelie on their bmx for 100 yards and you can't even get the front wheel off the floor for the money <laughs> um uh, it's um you know you just you kind of beat yourself up about it why can't i do it why can't i do it and stuff it's kind of you just have to take that pause and say you know, like somebody like yourself, consider the background, their, their previous experience, what they're coming into this with, you know? Yeah, and exactly. A great example of this is, a great example of this is, I was saying to someone the other day, oh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm playing guitar. I said, and, and, and look how good I am. You know, and I didn't say look how good I am. I said, look, I can play this song now. And I said, oh, look, it's amazing how quickly I've picked this up. And they said to me, yeah, but 
you haven't just started playing the guitar. You've you had to go break from playing the guitar for ten years, but you started playing the guitar thirty five years ago. And I played the guitar solidly for like you know fifteen years, and it was just through circumstance and personal circumstance I wasn't able to play. So it wasn't like I was picking a guitar for the first time, you know, and I was I, I didn't starting know out from scratch, right? Like that. Yeah, exactly. So when exactly, so when people say, oh, you know, they say, oh, you just you just started playing guitar again. Well, yeah, I just started playing guitar again. And I'm not learning from scratch. And we have to take that kind of, you know, with a really pinch of salt. I mean, is it as basic or as simple, not basic, as simple to say it's like riding a bike, right? Like you learn how to ride yeah, the bike, absolutely. right? And it takes time to learn how to ride a bike. But then when you get older and if you stop riding your bike, you can easily get mm-hmm. back on that bike and ride it again. Yeah. I'm sorry. You know, I was, I was just going to say that, you know, the, uh, so when people kind of, you know, when you, I start talking to people about, you know, learning to code and we do that a lot with DevNet, you know, they say, you know, how much should I know? And I, I always, I always say, learn enough to make to make your job easier. Mm-hmm. You know, to be able to do your job, you don't have to become, you know, uh, the the next kind of um, uh, sort of next Python guru. You know, that the next step. That's you know, that you don't have to do that. You don't have to become a full time Python person is, you know, do this to orchestrate your job, to help you orchestrate and do your job and your, on your, on your workflows. That's what you should learn to start with. You don't have to learn everything, but what you do learn, learn to do it well and learn to explain it as well. Be able go. to explain it and be able to work with it. Because if, you know, it, if, if you can do, if you can do five things really well, that's better than able to be doing 50 things completely sloppily you know, and sort of botched together in a way is, you know, I can do this. And that's, you know, if you're, that'll stand well for you within your career, you know, you're going for a job and someone says, oh, you know, have you worked with decorators or something? Like, no, I haven't worked with decorators in Python, but I've built this project and this is what <laughs> I built and this is what I did with my work. And they'll go, oh, well, that's perfect. The next involvement of your career might involve you learning decorators or something a lot more complex. But we see you've got this really good, solid foundation in sort of, you know, net DevOps and DevOps, and that's what's going to really build for you. You can always learn more. Oh, yeah. You can totally always learn more, right? And there's all these thoughts in my head on everything you've already talked about. And I'm I'm that kind of person. I don't want to interrupt. Like, I try really hard not to interrupt. (laughs) So I'm a lazy person by nature. At least that's, yeah. some people will call it efficiency. I'm efficient, right? But I'm a lazy person, right? So um, I I look at, and maybe this is wrong, I look at automation and, and DevOps and, and programmability and all those things, those terminologies, right? Or those marketing terms these days. Everyone calls it a marketing term. Um, I look at that, those as capabilities to make me so that I'm more effective, right? I'm able to do yeah. more with my time. Um, yeah. And, and I, I'd like to know maybe from your perspective how – those capabilities with DevOps and DevNet and programmability mm-hmm. actually kind of change or um, maybe not change is the right word, evolve design. Is there any way that you can an- try to answer that question? With, with design, yeah, sure. Um, so back in the, when, when this sort of like automation, sort of like penny dropping scenario started to happen, I finally realized, you know, that this is something I need to really invest my time into. Um, I was in the I was in the in the one of the Cisco offices, and um, 
Uh, the SRE manager passed me, and I was really good friends with the SRE manager. And he, I said to him, you know, why is it your, your team's always playing on the foosball table? Are we going to get any work from them? And he, and he looked at me and he said, dude, we're waiting on you. I guess, what, what do you mean you're waiting on me? He goes, the, the tickets are in your queue. We're waiting for the network team to open ports where, uh, you know, whatever we needed to do. And, you know, I said to him, I said, well, I first said, I thought your, your team were deploying this today because they are deploying it. I said, no, they're not. They're over there. And I pointed to the foosball table. He goes, they don't. And he said to me, they don't have to be sat at their desks doing it. We've built this continuous integration, this continuous deployment lifecycle where they can kickstart something off. If it looks like it's going to error or break, everything kind of stops. We get alerted. And, but things will deploy. And, you know, he worked me around to this. And I, I thought to myself, why can't I do that? You know, why can't I do that? Why, why, is, why is me and why is my team, why the network team, why are we so flat out? And how are the network SOE team? You know, he recommended, um, one of the people on his team recommended a book that was written by Google, you know, about how Google SRE deploys it, you know, at scale. And that really kind of started to open my eyes a lot. And it's a huge, huge book um, to read. And it's, it's really, it really amazed me kind of thing. And I read through all of this and um, I thought, we've, well, this is the approach we've got to take. We've, we've got to now take this approach. So I started to look for use cases and for ideas and there was bits you know, floating around. And one of the things I came up with was I started talking with the SRE team more to understand how they did validation. So when we built a data center, a new site, and I was in the process of building this, you know, complete global footprint for Cisco uh, to, to replace a legacy site. So the plan was to build 30 data centers in, in you know, about 13 months. It was wow. you know, really short. Really so short. Uh, can you just say that again? I want to make sure that everyone heard that. Was yeah, that about 30, day, 30 data centers in about 13, uh, 13 months. Sorry, let me clarify when I say data centers. I mean, what I mean is we were deploying uh, probably around 12 to 15 cages in, in 35 locations. Wow. So in 13 months. Been, yeah, in 13 months. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive, by um, the way. That's very impressive. <laughs> so it was, we had we had one we had devices in 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 the staging environment, and we had two data center teams out in the field. So one would be in one location, one would be in the other. And because we were putting this out, one would be ahead of us. So one would be for me being in England. One would be on sort of ahead of me in sort of you know Asia time, Asia pack time, that kind of time ahead of me in Europe. And then the other team would be. Um, behind me and they'd be in America. So we were deploying across America and deploying in Europe at the same time. So I'd wake up in the morning to have the team who were ahead of me with a whole host of problems in deploying, work with them until the US time came on and then work with those guys up until, you know, I, I basically fell asleep at my laptop at 11 o'clock <laughs> at night before they could hand off. So, you know, that's what it takes to be able to, to, de to deploy this. But the... The whole idea behind all this was was to then implement this for time practicality um, for to remove that kind of human insanity having to eyeball thousands of lines and 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 hope you can find a mistake um, because once that data center team have left site that's you know your cages are locked and you know if something's wrong and you've locked yourself out of remote access you know you're ticket into remote hands and then you're guiding somebody through what you're 
doing or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and who knows how long um, that's going to take and the process yeah, involved you know, and, you know, yeah, you're going to outsource absolutely. it, all those things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the first thing that we, we kind of looked at was the validation. And so we were using Jenkins to, I worked with the SRE team and another team to have, you know, Jenkins basically run across, you know, the typical site would involve, I don't know, four core switches, two edge routers, whole bunch of top of rack switches, six firewalls, same again, low balances uh, kind of thing, or six pairs, you know, four pairs of low balances. Um, and then have, you know, Jenkins basically run across and do a sanity check on the configuration. So this means that we weren't sending pings across the network. We weren't having to ask different teams, hey, this site's now live. Do your testing, have that dependency. We had that great confidence then that all of the access lists that we needed were in place. Everything was in place for routing. Everything was in place as far as load balances, you know, VIP addresses, servers were in the right pools, that kind of thing. DMZs are set up the right way. Routing's going the right way. You've got no packets being leaked to where they shouldn't be. Everything policies, you know, 100% locked down, really tight. So that was the first toe dip in. And once we got that solution built, what it meant for us was that once the data say data center team had finished doing all the cabling, that human element of us doing all of the checking went away. Yeah, that's awesome. How much so time did you save with that? Um, usually what we did was we broke it down into like two of us would do the validation and we had to sign off as well in this process. So we actually had to go back to our program team and our, you know, the project manager and say, and complete a you know a thing to say nexus switch check this is check this wow. is check. we have to go sign off on everything the checks sign off on everything you know and uh you know go go through all of those go through all of those things you had a kind of a we built like a it wouldn't book off these show commands these show commands these show commands this kind of thing you know to go through this everything but all in all i think i mean there was enough checks to say for the data center team to say pack it up go to the hotel go to the plane kind of thing wow. everything else then could be done everything else could be cleaned remotely so i mean i would say the validation checks were always done on sort of day three and the data center team would always be on site for a full day so there's a full day's work there wow for you know, for, for that validation, that could be, once they'd finished cabling and patching, we could do that at the end of day two and then just go home at five, six o'clock, log off and just let Jenkins do it. And then in the morning, we could just pick up and go, okay, the data center team, you know, the initial sort of, I don't know, the base checks, if you will, they've all passed. Data center team, pack it up, put your tools in the box, you know, go, go and, home, go and get yourself a, yeah, go and get a beer, <laughs> yep. you know, or fly onto the next site. <laughs> which often happened, um, you know, they were like a traveling circus. Yeah, um, exactly. Well, and- I mean, if I could just add real quick, I know you're going through this example, right? So it, sound, it, it sounds like there's a time cap- a, a time um, multiplier, like not, not, I usually call it troop multiplier when I'm talking about getting uh, capabilities that can give you yeah. more time for people to do other things. Same thing mm-hmm. here, maybe not a troop multiplier, um, but you're getting time back you're getting potentially yeah. money back too because you, are. you know yeah. now people aren't spending that extra day and it's not just the data center team it's also the you guys right you guys yeah. aren't spending that extra day and that's going to multiply across the board you got 35 sites right i mean that's yeah, over 100 hours yeah. right or 100 100 yeah. uh, days right there and that's all yeah. money 
it is. And if you think of all the services and the applications which live behind that as well, I mean, in that scenario, we had probably 50 different applications, everything you know, from Kafka and all, you know, all the kind of things that you see, Puppet and everything running in the background, the whole sort of orchestration to stand up the actual service the customer was using behind there as well. Each of those, you know, a, a team probably owns, you know, DevOps team probably owns five of those. Monitoring team owns a, a whole bunch of things in there. SRE team owns all of these services as well. All of those people, they could get on with their jobs as well. And they have visibility into the Jenkins run to say, your services are ready for provisioning now. This is stood up. This access is now granted to you. Once that service is then tied into their tools, into their Jenkins instances, into their, you know, um, into their runs, into their, into their automation orchestration, once, they, once our, orchestra, our, our Jenkins gives it a green light and says, I'm clear, it kicks off their service. And they don't have to even be online for that. that our Jenkins can finish at 8 p.m. at night, 9 p.m. at night, and the SRE team's platform can go, perfect. They don't even have to be online. So when they get in in the morning, all they have to look at is, oh, great, our services are deployed. Green check, project manager, <laughs> you know. And it's, it's that whole, whole, whole thing is the, you know, like you're saying, that, that multiplier effect. When, when you see this actually happening, it's, it's just like it's, it's mind-blowing to see how much in hours and, you know, you see reducing CapEx and OPEX and, you know, everything's, everything's, everything's coming down. And you realize then all of a sudden why this is just such a powerful thing from a design perspective. So after the kind of, you know, initial uh, Q&A thing, that's when we started to then look at, okay, um, can we make our changes in the same manager in the same way? Because we have this really thorough way of validating our changes, making sure that the services are running right. Can we then do this in a deployment fashion? That was the next. For that was the next phase. So like CD, right? So can we do this in a, in a fully? Or, yeah. Okay. It became yeah. So it became, but it became more kind of not continuous integration and continuation. Um, see, I see that I always get the D. I always get mixed up. So there's delivery and deployment. Um, Isn't it deployment? deployment. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I slipped my mind there. No, I think the yeah, D can be both, was, right? For, so I think it depends on the situation. It, yeah. Yeah. It can be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So for us, it, we, you know, in, in this, this thing, we always still wanted to main control of actually when we did our, when we did our deployments, we wanted to do the kickstart of that. We wanted to do the kickstart of the, um, of the, you know, automation running to do automation changes and updates. Mm -hmm. We didn't ever put that into the, you know, oh, we're going to, it's going to be all kind of scheduled within the, you know, within a continuous pipeline, that one these changes are made and it's pushed up to your source of truth. You know, the checks are made and then it's just deployed straight out. We wanted still that continuous delivery where an engineer still pushed the button on to make those changes to on, onto the onto the network. I um, at that stage of my career, I didn't get into that. You know, the whole sort of um, sort of you know where. You pushed through your changes, the changes kind of ran, everything happened, and then everything was deployed, you know, automatically straight out there. There was always still that still that human element in there of of the of the actual deployment. Yeah, the, the button. There's stuff. still some there's still some human pushing a button, right? Or whatever. Some yeah. some fashion of yeah. even if they're initiating a script or initiating a workflow mm -hmm. or, yeah. or an automation orchestration, right, element. Yeah. They're, they're doing it, right? It's not a system yeah. doing it for another system automatically. 
I yeah. gotcha. And that's where we, you know, that's that's where we ended up. And I still think that's kind of the general state of play when it comes to sort of like design and network automation within, you know, within the realms of what we see today. There's there's somebody kicking off a script. There, you know, in in, in in the big use cases, there's there's still someone kind of kind of driving 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 that script. I don't think we've quite got into the sort of like whole AI ML, you know, realms yet. It's really close with a number of um, platforms, things like Crosswork and NSO combined. All of those things together, they are get they are really getting onto that right now. That's the next kind of phase of, of where we are. Um, and some people are even going as far as to having you know like uh, telling you know uh, voice speech command. You've seen I've seen multiple demos with people using you know Siri and Alexa and everything to say, "Hey, deploy this VLAN." You know, doing this, you know. Thing and stuff in, in production. Like, can you imagine? Like, like just sitting at your desk and saying, "Alexa, deploy VLAN 100 in data center one." You know, like something yeah. like that, right? Some yeah. or not yeah. even you could you could specify whatever va- values you wanted to, yeah. to for it yeah. to act on, right? Yeah. Honestly, yeah. And uh, I've seen it done in demos, but the, you know, my worst nightmare is, and, and this is just my experience with this is, you know, deployed you know deployed VLAN 20 in data center one, and then you know, Siri or you know, Alexa comes back us. Deleting core database. <laughs> <laughs> deleting VLAN database, right? Yeah, or <laughs> yeah, deleting VLAN database. <laughs> you know, you imagine imagine those kind of horror stories because you see, you know, this you see the kind of the the mean jokes about asking, you know, the thing to do this, and then it's you know it says you know calling such and such a person or you know not understanding those kind of things. I just I I, I find that aspect of this just you know, hilariously funny. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of something else. I'm like, you got Alexa saying, launching Skynet now or something like that, you know, like. Isn't that scary? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, 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 that's a joke, right? It's not, uh, but that's, that's yeah. potentially what could happen someday. And we're not going to get down that rabbit hole. I promise. Um, <laughs> that's a different rabbit hole. Um, so, so I do want to ask, right. I think we've talked a lot about, you know, the impact of DevOps and mm. DevNet, right. Um, is there anything from like the DevNet certifications that you want to highlight? Yeah. So the DevNet certifications were, were great fun. Um, we were at Cisco Live in 2000 and I want to say Cisco Live Europe 2019 and people were saying, oh, you know, hey, what about DevNet certification? And people were getting really, really curious. At that point, it was kind of we were sort of tipped to this is, this is something we're going, this is a path we are going to go down. By the time we got through to DevNet Create, which was like end of April 2019, um, so I totally lost on years at the minute. Um, <laughs> no worries. People were actively emailing me saying, you know, I've heard, you know, I've heard you're doing this. And I, you know, I just had to kind of, you know, I, I'm sorry, I don't know anything about this. Yep, yep. You know, game phase, play on knowing all full well, I was working on this, our team was working on this, you know, and we were going at a, a real rate of pace with the with the folks that are learning at Cisco. So to be involved in this in this entire life cycle and especially from a you know cisco certification fanboy to you know to really to to start to 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 work on this and then thinking to myself this point with the devnet certifications and you'll have seen we had the devnet 500 you know the the folks who passed the devnet 500 in the first 16 hours you know the excitement in the community and no one was prepared for that 
I, I, certainly I wasn't. How it just went huge. I mean, my I had to have my phone on permanent charge because my Twitter was going crazy. People saying, "I'm taking the certification. I'm going to the I'm going to the testing center. Here's a picture of me outside the testing center. See you in an hour, guys." You know, this whole thing. It was just. I mean, just it, can't, it blew up. I mean, I don't know a better uh, word, right? It literally blew up, but yeah. I don't think anyone knew the impact that the DevNet certs were going to have was, on the community. Right. And the following, the following is so yeah. large, right? Um, yeah. it, it, it's, it's truly amazing immense. what's been created. It is. You know? Yeah. And people talk to me and they come up, to, you know, people say to me, oh, you know, hey, dude, I saw your talk on this and you really inspire me. No, no, no. Let me be, let me be 100% clear. The community, it's you who inspire me. That's where I am drawing all of this energy, all of this excitement, all of this passion, all of this dedication. Because you come to me and you say, hey, we want this. I'm like, I'm going to do it. This is, to, this is for you. You know, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to create this because we are 100% community driven. You know, if, you, if someone wants something, it's kind of like, we're going to do it. You know, we are, you know, this is what the community wants. And it's the same with this. For me, I feel it's the same way for the certification. So, you know, all of these people taking the certification, the people are still going crazy for it. We've still got the class of 2020. And it's in that comparison to me where, um, you know, that kind of, the kind of launch that we have with this, the way that the community and the way that the industry has embraced the DevNet certifications has just been so tremendous that it's, it's kind of, you know, you start, as soon as the DevNet certifications came out, I started seeing it on people saying, you know, nice to have DevNet certifications on on job specs and things, you know, on things, you know, nice to have associate, but, you know, a DevNet professional on these. And then you realize how much of an impact this is having on the industry as a whole for employers to say, we want our, we want our people to be DevNet certified. We want our, this is the, this is what we want because this is where we see our industry going for the next five years. And this is where the community sees their careers going in the next five to 10 years. And the DevNet certification is that, you know, is the Willy Wonka. It's the golden <laughs> it ticket. Is, it is. It is. It is. You know, oh. And oh. you still see it. So yeah. I, I'm just going to add a couple things, right? I mean, I, I just want to be clear. I, I don't think I, I mean, I've been in the industry about 20 years. I don't, I don't think I have ever seen a certification um, become this main, mainstream this quick, right? This rapidly. Yeah. I mean, it, it has been adopted and it has been, it is like everyone's getting it right now. I'm behind the power mm -hmm. curve. I have not gotten it right. And I plan to, I plan to don't hate me, please. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I had other things on my plate and I'm like, Oh no. Um, but, but back to the point, like I, I think it's extremely imperative that, that we understand that this is huge. This is a, the mm -hmm. impact of this is large, right? Companies yeah. are embracing this. Um, yeah. And obviously network engineers are embracing this, network designers, network architects. Everyone is truly embracing DevNet yeah. and DevOps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, they really are. And it's, you know, it's phenomenal to see. Um, and, you know, the launch of this, when, when Susie and Chuck announced in 2019 at Cisco Live San Diego, you know, the whole kind of, it was amazing to see when Susie and Chuck were presenting their slides, one of those slides that Susie had on, and Chuck was on the stage talking to Susie about it, one of those slides was mine. Oh, look at that. How's that make you mine? feel, man? How's that make you feel I, right there? I was, yeah, it's, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing was just sort of like, you know, we're just, 
pointing to say, that's my slide, you know, that total sort of, you know, fanboy moment to, to be able to contribute into that. And, to be able to contribute into all of the, you know, the, the DevNet certifications from that early day, you know, the question writing and the NQC and, and, and everything right through to the right through to the launch of it when it came live in, in February was just so it was so amazing. So, so amazing to see all of all of it just come together with, you know, the dev what the DevNet team did and what the folks at learning at Cisco did. Whole collaboration end to end was just I think to me today that is far one of the greatest things that i can say i've done in my entire working career to be part of that wow that's huge that is huge yeah you know i mean that that's a a huge accomplishment to be a part of that to just be able to you know have a a role right and and i think that's great um yeah to be a part of it just yeah so it's huge um well i think we're coming up to our time just gonna throw that out there, right? Um, I think we were concerned that we weren't gonna speak a lot, but we've been speaking a lot, and and we're at like an hour already. So yeah, just to throw that well, out they there, call, they, they don't call me the big mouth for nothing. No, so. I'm the same man. I can just keep talking forever. So oh, yeah, it's uh, and I think we I could think too. Like, the back and forth is great. Like honestly, so yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's it's always great, you know, to connect with somebody like yourself who's so you know dedicated, and passionate about this, about the industry, and you know. To, to be able to talk about these things so so openly, I think is I think is the real key to all of this. I mean, we mentioned giving back, right, and, and not yeah. hiding information earlier, right. And that at some point, I yeah. don't know what minute it was. It might have been minute ten. I don't know, thirty yeah. minutes later, thirty minutes earlier. Um, but one of the points we were talking about is like sharing information, right? And I started this podcast three or four years ago because we don't share information. Like this is an underlying issue in in the industry that I found, and I want to share information, right? I want to get people like yourself on these these podcast episodes yeah. talking real talk right we're not hiding yeah. anything we're talking real stuff and in sharing that yeah. with with this industry right yeah. it's huge yeah it is and i think you know seeing for me one of the greatest aspects of this this role as well is seeing other people's success and being part of that success and being part of that journey you know with them no matter no matter how small it is or no matter what part you played in in that person's journey you were part of that you know, you were a part of that journey, um, and we, we, everybody was, you know, in, in unison against, you know, together moving forward with this, and to to be able to celebrate, you know, other people's success. And you don't, you don't get that by, you know, keeping things to yourself, you know. And that's the the whole thing is kind of like, let's share it, whether it's whether it's the good, whether it's the bad or the ugly, it doesn't matter. Let's share it. You know, Susie said something to me some time ago, or she said something to our team, and she said, look, feedback is feedback. It doesn't matter whether it's good feedback or bad feedback. It's feedback, and we need this. We need the feedback. You know, if I'm doing something wrong, tell me. If I'm doing something right, tell me. You know, let's let's have this. Let's be open. Let's be honest about it, and let, let's kind of hear it and stuff. And people have fed that back to me, and they've said, oh, you know, hey, I came to your session, and I was hoping to get this out of it. It's sort of like, hmm, Okay, that's a great point. I'm going to write. I'm going to do this session again, and I'm going to write in exactly what you said. I'm going to take that feedback, and that's how we grow. It's how we evolve. It's how we move forward with everything. Agreed, one hundred percent. I mean, one hundred and fifty percent, right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to 
talk about myself. I don't like to do that, right? I like to talk about what you're doing, but I'm going to, I'm going to talk for a minute about something that I'm working on and the process I'm going through because feedback is critical, specifically feedback, right? Mm. Um, I'm creating a course outside of all of this, a network design course. And it's not to highlight the course. That's not the means here. It's the process I'm going through. I actually have about 25 people that are in a special group. And the whole point of this group is for them to provide me feedback, right? It's for them to validate. And I, I told them up front, I need honest. Don't don't sugarcoat it. Don't lie. Don't hide anything. Right? If you hate yeah. it, tell me. Like that. Mm-hmm. Tell me. Like yeah. I don't care. Um, I need it to be good. And if it's not good, then I need to stop. You know, yeah. feedback yeah, exactly. is important. And I think you know you have to, and uh, you have to put. You know, there's a, uh, egos and everything else that goes along this. You have to be able to put that to one side and separate it and say this is. In some cases, in my case, you know, it, it's work. It's work. It's a piece, you know, and it's to, you know, no one's ever going. No one's being rude. It's not. Someone isn't being rude to you. They're giving you constructive crit. They're giving you constructive criticism, and it doesn't matter where that comes from. Whether it comes from from somebody that's maybe senior to you in the organization, or maybe they're not senior to you in the organization. Maybe they're junior to you in the organization. You know that feedback is is useful, and, and you should listen listen to that. You know that that constructive criticism, and it, it is a, it is a milestone to to and and you know where you're checking your ego at the door to to not be you know offended by this and to go away and think oh I'm never going to ask that person again because they were rude about my project. You know, what's that term? And it, it comes around and they say it's the it's the ugly baby or something. I just started started reading something on this and it's something that I'm really looking forward to uh, looking at like emotional intelligence. um, And yeah, it's all about, um, uh, you know, more learning complex, solving complex problems, critical thinking, creativity, people management, that kind of thing. And um, code empathy is another one code review empathy, which I'm reading at the minute or start to pick up on. Um, which um, I, I follow uh, Lead Tech, uh, great. They put on a lot of really great shows, um, speaking shows, and they do a lot of these, you know, talks and things. I've learned so much from, you know, listening to the, the, the folks talk on there. And there's people like Laura Hogan on there, who's just, you know, phenomenal, did some really great books on management things. And even, I'm not a manager, so, but, I can still learn from these things, you know, still learn and understand processes and the way that people are thinking and how certain situations work and how, how to deal with certain situations. So, you know, take all this information and observe it like a sponge. Um, and, but yeah, that's the, that's the kind of the thing, you know, that I think is, 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 you know, share the information, ask people to review, ask people to, to give you feedback on, on all of these things and then just, you know, look to improve on those situations, look to, you know, strengthen the areas you're, uh, you know, strong in and look to bring up the areas that you're weaker in. 100% agree. 100% agree. And, um, you know, you're reading those books and I think that, you know, we always learn, right? That's, that's, uh, I always tell people to, to continue to learn, strive to, to do better, you know, strive to yeah. improve yourself, all those things. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess I would, at this point, um, ask you, is there any last-minute words of wisdom to the to the listeners, to the people that are listening to this podcast right now? I think, um, 
What's, what's my words of wisdom today? What, what are my words of wisdom? My per, my per, a better thing, maybe words of wizardry. How about that? Weird, words of wizardry. Weird, words of wizardry from the beard. <laughs> um, you know, I think now is to embrace every opportunity, you know, to, to be open, to, to be open to change and to be open to others' opinions because there's, there's a lot of that right now. Um, to listen, listening is a key is a key thing. Um, as far as learning goes, learn as much as you can. You know, don't burn yourself out. Set yourself a schedule. You know, I, I do two hours a day. That's broken into one hour, uh, one part of the day, and one hour, another part of the day. Um, and I sometimes break that down into technical learning and sometimes personal development learning. So I break it down into two, two, different, two different categories. Get a hobby. <laughs> Get a hobby. Get a hobby. Seriously, get a hobby. If you haven't got a hobby, go and get a hobby. I am guilty of this myself. Um, and yeah, you know, just enjoy everything. Just enjoy, just enjoying, enjoy learning new things and challenge yourself daily. Hey, that is great, great uh, advice. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, one last question for you, and that's really just around where can everyone find you on the interwebs? Where can they continue the conversation, ask you questions, ping you about DevNet and DevOps stuff? That, yeah, of course. Cool. So, I mean, I'm, for, I'm a ferocious user on Twitter. I'm pretty much, you know, on there and stuff. I, I check it first thing in the morning when I go up at Hoppers 5, and then I'm usually making and sending funny gifts off to people. Um, usually certainly told myself at half past 11. So I'm on Twitter quite big on there. So I'm big evil beard on Twitter. Um, that's the, yeah, pretty much the best place to find me. Uh, and just to put me on that. I'm open, I'm open on there. So, um, yeah, best place. To find yeah. Well, I will have that in the show notes, everyone. So you'll have a direct link to, um, Stuart's, uh, uh Twitter account, his handle there, and you can just go ahead and ping him and all your questions and, and give him a hard time about DevNet and DevOps and all that stuff. Uh, hey, Stuart, man, I appreciate your time today. I really do. I think this has been great, um, and I'm looking forward to get you back on the show in the future. Um, I'm going to close it out, man. Thank you, all brother. Right. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, thanks, really man. Seriously, I, I, I really do appreciate you being here. Um, yeah, hey, cool. everyone, I'm going to close out the show. Thank you all for listening. I hope you all enjoyed the content. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, uh, please go ahead and visit the show notes. It's zigbits.tech slash 65. That is today's show notes, zigbits.tech slash 65. You can always email me at zig at zigbits.tech, and I can respond to those emails, provide you any context, any answers to questions. And until next time, bye for now. <laughs>